This is Basin Ball Four. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Base Hit Ball 4. My name is Glenn Negris alongside Scott Roswald, Alex Cashman, and Tyler Blumenstick. We're back after a week hiatus because a hurricane hit the Jersey area and three of the four, three of, the four of us lost power. I didn't, so I was totally fine and comfortable, but everyone else was, I guess, mis- how long did you guys lose power for? 15 uh, mine came back on Wednesday. I never lost power. Oh, you I never lost had- power? No, yeah, I, I, didn't no internet. Power. I lost internet and TV oh, for okay. well, same up thing. until last night. So like seven days. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, it wasn't fun. But it's, it's good that we have it back and our first world problems are, have subsided. But I agree. within the last two weeks, a lot has happened with baseball. There's been a lot of games played. There's been a lot of games that haven't been played, a la the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, there's been another fight involving the Houston Astros, this time with the Oakland Athletics. Um, the Yankees had a rough weekend, and the Phillies' bullpen continues to falter. But we're going to start with the COVID uh, news that's been happening over the last couple weeks since the last time we spoke. Um, first, the Cleveland Indians um, told uh, Zach Plesak basically to get out after he was caught leaving the hotel. So he had to drive five hours back to Cleveland. He posted a, a big apology um, on Instagram today. And then the St. Louis Cardinals, who still haven't played a game in two weeks because of their COVID mess, um, just positive test after positive test, pushing back series after series. So they're going to have to play 55 games in like 40 days. It's going to be a nightmare for St. Louis. And this is what this season is. And because of all these things, it was announced today that Major League Baseball is discussing the possibility of doing what the NHL and NBA is doing and having a bubble playoff system. So all the teams that make the playoffs would go to one singular location and play their postseason. So um, first initial thoughts on what happened the last two weeks in terms of coronavirus. It hasn't, uh, hasn't been an ideal week, um, especially for the Cardinals. Uh, haven't played. In two weeks, they've only played, what, five games so far? So they're super far behind. But that's what you get for uh, being irresponsible and uh, going out to a casino. Um, And then the Cleveland Indians also sent home uh, Mike Clevenger along with uh, Zach Flezak, who went out with Flezak. Wasn't originally caught, um, but then it came out, uh, I guess, earlier today. Uh, that they sent him home as well. And both those guys were pitching really well for the Cleveland Indians, which was huge. So uh, big loss for the Indians, uh, losing those two guys in the rotation. But I'm happy for the Indians to actually, like, kind of lay down the law there and, like, have some disciplinary action uh, towards their players. Yeah, definitely. You definitely don't want teams to be like, okay, you're an important part of what we're doing, so we're going to give you a pass. Every player should be on the same protocol and be treated similarly if they break that said protocol. And as you said, Plesak and Clevenger are both really important to what the Indians do, and that's why it's so important for players to you know, stay in quarantine, stay in their hotel when they're not at the stadium because if they get a positive test, they're out until they get two negative tests – and that could be two, three weeks, and that's 20, 30% of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, they're a huge part of their rotation. Uh, it's what the Indians are known for is their pitching staff. Um, so, yeah, if they had lost them, I mean, they're going to lose them for – it was at least three days they had to quarantine from the team 
Um, but it could be longer depending on how it kind of seemed like it was up to the Indians' discretion when they wanted to bring him back. Um, it's just stupidity. Like It's I know just selfishness what, because this is a team, and I'll is. let Tyler jump in because – you know, just because I want to. This is a team that's battling <laughs> with the White Sox and the Twins for for the AL Central title. So these games are very important, and one of the Indian strengths compared to the Twins is the starting pitching, and you lost two of them already because of just a selfish move to leave your hotel. Yeah, I mentioned it on the cap rack the other day, how the Indians already traded away Corey Kluber. They already traded away Trevor Bauer. Their rotation is built on these young guys that are stepping up and really coming into their own. And then now they just lose two at the blink of an eye just because they want to go out to dinner. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but hey, it is what it is. And now, because of all this, MLB is deciding probably the right thing to do when we get to October is to have the bubble. And the NBA and the NHL are doing it. And since they've been in the bubble, I believe, I know this for a fact for the NBA, since July 29th, there hasn't been a positive test. And Cash, do you like the idea of having a bubble format for Major League Baseball? Uh, I do and I don't. Um, I do because it'll just kind of um, increase the chances that once we do get to the playoffs, we'll be set and we'll, we'll have a champion, um, you know, things of that nature. But I also don't because I don't think that these grown men need to be put in a bubble, but they obviously don't know how to act. So I think it's kind of disgusting. I think it's pathetic, really, that you can't they can't stay in their hotel when they're away. I mean, it started with the Marlins who went to – a strip club, right, in Atlanta? That's the rumor, yeah. All right, and then the Cardinals went to a casino uh, yeah. in St. Louis. I mean, listen, whether what, whatever your opinion is on the virus, you, you have a, a job to do, and part of that job is to stay as secluded as possible from other people, um, and you're getting paid a lot of money to do so. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there watching you, looking up to you, right? I mean, just think about it. Let's put a – a Yankee spin on it, right? Say a little six-year-old kid looks up and sees Aaron Judge at a strip club instead of paying attention or following the rules. And, like, you know, that little kid's role model is Aaron He's Judge. He's going to go to a strip club. I mean, not necessarily, but it's just it's just a bad look. I mean, I mean, maybe he will go to a strip club. I mean, good for him. But I'm just saying it, it's, a, it's a bad look. And, uh, you know, I, I think that these players should be ashamed of themselves. I, but I do want to add on the Indians – is the Indians have been the only team to do it right so far. You know, they sent their two guys away. They said, I, we don't want any part of this. Um, and maybe MLB could learn a lesson from them. I mean, they did. I mean, the they basically they suspended could. their players, two Correct. of their better players. They basically suspended them. And that's, the, that's how you got yeah, it. And they've it. now missed more games than any Astro player. You have to, yeah. You have to set an example for your organization. If you break the rules, if you break – the protocols you're going to get suspended and you're going to be without pay in a season where you're already not getting paid as you might you would over 162 so it's a shame that it had to come to this but i feel like in terms of what we've learned over the three weeks of playing baseball not in a bubble i think it's very important to have the bubble in october because if you have everyone together as I said before, the NBA hasn't seen any cases. The NHL hasn't seen any cases. And these games, these playoff games are not – you can't just change them. There's a lot of dollars in that time slot for TV networks, these national TV networks, to have playoff games in prime time when they're scheduled. And if, if there's a Marlins situation or a Cardinals situation, you can't just have a playoff team 
or a playoff series delayed for two to three weeks. So it has to be played. So I think it, the, I think the bubble is the smartest thing to do when you get to October. Yeah, I would agree on that. I think the bubble would be a great idea. And you can probably kind of do what the NHL has done where you split it up into kind of two. Uh, you send the American League to one location and then you send the National League to another location. Um, and then at a certain point, once you get to the World Series, you meet up in one spot. Um, you probably in that – and then – that situation, you can put it in a warm weather location or into a dome stadium where you don't have to worry about pitching it in 30-degree weather in end of October. Um, so, And both the NBA and the NHL have kind of proved it. Their players, you haven't really heard anything outside of the first week of the NBA with players breaking the bubble and getting in trouble. Haven't heard anything out of the NHL, but hockey players are a different breed where they kind of only really care about playing hockey. Um, I really thought it was going to be a problem with the NBA players, like wanting to sneak out and do whatever they want. Um, And baseball players have proven that they really don't care right now and they'll just do whatever they want, which is disappointing. Um, So that might become an issue in the postseason, but I think it is necessary at this point. How are your thoughts on a postseason bubble? No, I'm with you guys on that. Like, I think it, like Scott said, the NBA and the NHL have figured out a way um, for this to get done. No positive test. I saw, I think it was the NHL that came out today, um, basically said that we tested like between three or 4,000 people and zero positives. And I mean, if you can get everybody in a bubble situation, uh, I think that would be ideal. That way the playoffs can go smoothly and that's pretty much it. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be a central hub city like Orlando is for basketball. I mean, you're going to have to get a lot of stadiums within a, you know, a significant or doable radius. So if you do Northeast, you got the two New York stadiums, you got Philadelphia, you got Baltimore, you got Washington. That's five right there. There's no reason to do the Northeast. Northeast. What what was that? There's no reason to, I just had a stroke. There's no reason to do Northeast. Why is that? The weather. Well, they play in October anyway when it's cold. Yeah, but if you have the ability to If you have the ability, that, but I think more importantly is to get stadiums within a 200-mile radius where you can get everyone together see, so you're see, not spread out. See, this to me is the problem. Um, I don't know how you can ensure that it's a bubble when you have that. That's fair. I mean, you can make like a Olympic village. I don't know. There's a lot of things to work out, and that's why it's probably good that they're talking about it now instead of, you know, what college football is doing right now, just deciding now to talk about what they're going to do. So I think we'll see, we'll see what happens with the bubble in the MLB playoffs, and we're going to eventually talk about real baseball during this episode, but just one more thing about the coronavirus and the New York Mets, both important cogs of their team, Cespedes, and Stroman bounce. I mean, the Cespedes thing was crazy. Like, he just decided not to show up. He didn't tell anyone. And then Stroman accumulated enough time to get the service time to be a free agent in the winter and then decided to bounce. So I never want to, you know, say, oh, you're opting out for the wrong reasons. You're using COVID as excuse. Nobody should ever do that. But it is a little, you know, suspicious, the circumstances in which Cespedes and Stroman opted out. I wonder. I want to know what you guys think about. I don't that. think it's suspicious at all. I think that, and maybe this comes off harsh, um, but I don't care. Um, 
I think that it's a culture problem that the New York Mets have. And I think that um, this is a huge issue that will continue to get overlooked by the management and the ownership of the New York Mets. But um, I think until they sell eventually, I think this is an enormous problem. I mean, this is a huge culture thing. You know, first of all, the way that whole Cespedes thing played out, and I don't, I happened to be watching the Mets game that day because I believe they were playing the Braves. So I was watching the Mets game that day and uh, Brody Van Wagenen just came out and said, Cespedes is missing. And you don't do that. I don't care for whatever reason you don't, that just makes your player look bad right off the get go. So until you know what the situation is, you don't do that. He threw his guy right under the bus. Then it came out that Cespedes is opting out of the season. Now he makes Cespedes look even worse. Um, Granted, Cespedes probably didn't do the right thing if he didn't contact the Mets earlier. He just um, often left. We're assuming that's the truth. That's what it sounded like. Is that that's they went? They said. went to it. They went to his hotel room, and he was just gone. Everything was packed up and gone. But and, again, I, I don't like how Brody Van Wagenen just threw his player off uh, the bus in the middle and of the fourth inning. Even worse, even worse, he said he's not here. We don't know where he is. Yeah. Right. So right. He and could that, be dead. Right, and, and now not, you're putting not a enough panic. information to make a statement if you're Brody Van Wagenen. Right, and then they asked him after the game. He was like, well, we just wanted to keep you guys posted. You know what, you idiot? It's the middle of your game. And this is what I tweeted this out, that the Mets are so bad on the field, they're looking to get headlines any way they can. And this is the way they did it. And I, I think it's gross. I, very poor job by Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely poorly oh, handled. Sorry, Glenn. But Cespedes is, you know, also kind of not earned the organization's trust. They paid him all that money. He's missed the last two years with pretty mysterious injuries. Like, there were a lot of different, like, stories about how he got hurt. Scott, I have a question for you, right? You're you're a free agent this offseason. I don't care what Cespedes has done, okay? You're a free agent this offseason, right? You're coming off a career year. The Mets call you up. They want to sign you. Is this where you want to go to an organization where rats out your players? I don't care what he's done. You're supposed to have your players back through and through, right? You, so, so Cespedes has obviously had a terrible tenure with the he's Mets. He's lost their trust. I don't, I don't care. I, and I get that. And I don't blame the Mets for losing trust in but, Cespedes. But, I, and I, I agree with you that Van Wagenen did a terrible job by what his statements so I understand that they lost his trust or he lost their trust. And I, I get that. And I don't blame the Mets for, for losing interest in Cespedes, but you cannot come out and make the statement as early as you did. You, you can't throw your player under the bus like that. Who wants to play for a guy like that? I, I don't think I'm, I don't think it's bad on the Mets part to, I guess, quote unquote, throw him under the bus. I think it was worse that they said something without knowing his whereabouts and if it was okay. And if he was alive, I think they should have waited until they knew well, where this he is was. My headlines they knew point. where he was they, safe. They just want I mean, headlines. He did not show up to work. So I, in my opinion, I think Brody Van Wagenen has every right to feel like he needs to, I guess, embarrass Cespedes. But the problem is you have to do that when you know he's okay. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and they, they could have worded it better. If they could have, they just said he's missing. (laughs) Yeah, they still could have put out a statement saying, like, Cespedes didn't report to the ballpark today. We're still, like, in the process of figuring out what's going on. I don't think you say anything. 
Not until you know what the situation is. Yeah, I don't think you say a word until, especially in the fourth that. inning of that's, your that's game. Fair. I mean, you got a game going on. Yeah. What, what are we doing? If I guess if it was before the game, you you could say something. But yeah, middle of the game, definitely wrong. I mean, they have a bus that takes them from the hotel to the stadium. Right, they they knew Nobody, this was the case. At Luis Rojas, the, the manager, Luis Rojas, the manager, didn't notice that Cespedes wasn't taking batting practice. He wasn't on the bus. He wasn't in the clubhouse. He wasn't at his locker. Isn't there a pregame little media scrum where he can be like, "Listen, Cespedes didn't show up to work today." It had to come out mid-game during the during the game, mid-game. And then everyone's panicking because they don't know where he is. And you can't talk to the manager because he's managing a baseball game right now. Tyler, what were your thoughts about when that whole thing happened? I'm on the same page with all you guys. I mean, they should not have said a single word until they knew that he was, A, safe. And honestly, I think that's just the last bullet point. Like, knowing that he's safe, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, And I also agree with what Scott said about the trust. Um, and also what Cash said about management just losing it and having a culture issue. I think it's spot on. Um, the Mets have an issue. Um, they have bad personnel choices bringing people in. Um, Brody Van Wagen doesn't understand it. And I think it all starts at the top with the Wilpons because they just enforce this culture that is, I don't know, I can't even put a finger on what kind of culture it is, but it's a problem. And it's just a it's losing been a problem culture. for years. It's, 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 losing on, it's losing on the field. It's losing in PR. It's losing yeah. in acquisitions because Brody Van Wagenen's big trades are what it's the Diaz Cano for clinic who's out in Seattle who's you know forecasted to be a superstar and it's the Stroman trade that he pitched down the stretch they ended up being third place didn't even make the playoffs and then he opts out and never pitches again for the Mets now he's gonna be a free agent the Mets aren't gonna sign them because the Mets don't spend money so the two major legacy trades for Van Wagenen so far as in the Mets GM are complete duds a complete Did Van Wagenen sign Cespedes too no. no, that was no. that was uh, I don't even remember what his name is. Alderson, yeah, Sandy Alderson. Yeah, um, I honestly I think Cespedes is done in Major League Baseball. I don't I think agree. after what he pulled, I don't think another team's going to want him. Why I would think, you? Know? I don't think I mean, he Cespedes, cares either. Cespedes has completely burned the bridge with Major League Baseball. I mean, you could talk about Van Wagenen and how he handled the announcement of where he is and we don't know where he is but you know suspended did a terrible 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 thing by just leaving and not even telling anybody that was one of the first thoughts that went through my mind too i was like he if he really did just get up and go like he probably is not coming back to major yeah. league baseball and even if he did i think he's he now does not have a single shot to come back and he said ended up saying oh opting out for covid related reasons worried about his yeah. mom's health totally fine but then you can't be caught uh, at a Long Island mall, posing with fans and Instagram pictures being taken of you at a mall in Long Island. Like, that can't happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. As I, said, I think that's fair. As I said when I started this conversation, play, yeah. you don't want to assume people are just using COVID as an excuse because, you know, there are very real concerns about COVID. But, you know, it, it's, it's not a good look when you're in Long Island at a mall the next day posing with people. And then Stroman... You know, he was all hyped to get back on the mound, and then out of nowhere, he was like, "F it, I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, and but, a New York, New York kid too. He's yeah. from that area. Now, do you was, think was excited about going back to New York to play, and now he's just peace now, out. The Mets are, I believe, six and ten on the season. Um, they got destroyed by the Nationals yesterday. They haven't been. They haven't looked great at all. During the season, if the Mets are eleven and five and they're in first place, do you think Stroman opts out? 
if it, Strowman's on the Yankees, do you think? Do you think? No, he's like he 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 comes back if they're good. He's de- he definitely is like that. This is definitely his thought process, in my opinion. And I'm not I'm not Marcus Strowman, but okay, the team's not that good. I've been watching them from afar. I've accumulated my time to be the free agent next year. Why am I going to put myself at risk on a team that's not ready to win when I can just opt out and just be a free agent? I, it's probably a good, a good you know, strategy by Strowman. And we see teams do it the other way when they hold a prospect in the minor leagues to accumulate that extra year of you eligibility. Know, the other thing, I, the other thing I do want to, the only thing I do want to point out to defend Stroman a little bit um, is, you do see what's going on in the league um, with the Marlins outbreak, the Cardinals, yes, and the Indians. Yes. It's definitely a possibility he's got someone at home that's high risk, and they freaked out. Yeah. So I don't. That's, to- that's totally, don't, totally viable. I can totally buy that. But on the, the other end, it's also a huge co- coincidence that Cespedes did the same thing. So. Yeah, and we, we see Stroman opting out, but then we saw the, the polar opposite with Nick Marcakis coming back. Mm-hmm. His situation is, you know, he was re- he's really good friends with Freddie Freeman, so when he saw how, you know, poor Freeman was doing, he's like, you know what, not going to take the chance. But he said he was watching the games and he saw how, you know, good the Braves were doing and he, how much he missed it. And, you know, he came back and has made an impact for that team already. Um, so – there was a just something else like if the if the Braves were in that spot where the Braves weren't playing well, which would have been odd to see, you know, we wouldn't have seen Marquez come back. Sorry to um, interrupt, but Judge just hit a mammoth home run to right center field. <laughs> not really. Good for him. He's he's absolutely on fire. Guys, uh, he's pretty good. Said he was going to hit sixty. You did. And what did I tell you? You t- probably told me it was crazy. No, you were supposed to screenshot it. I said I'd get a I judge tattoo somewhere. on my forehead. I, I do have that. Oh no! I said no. No, I said that uh, I was going to get a, a judge ninety nine on the on my back, as if I was wearing a jersey all the time. I would love to see that. Whatever. But yeah, judge. The Yankees are up what seven nothing on the Braves. Seven right nothing. Yep. After a tough series in Tampa, and a tough couple of days in Philly, so they weren't playing well. So it's nice to see them back at home. Um, playing well. We'll get that into that a little bit later, but onto some actual baseball. The, the team over the last 10 days that has really taken off, in my opinion, well, not really, it's not really an opinion, it's a fact. The Oakland A's are just yep. incredible right now. They they can't lose. Did they lose against the Angels? They lost last, last night. night. They, yeah, they okay, blew well, it. Other they than last like night, they four. can't lose. They were, had a nine game winning streak. They're 12 and five. They're up on, they're up by four and a half on Houston in the ALS. Houston doesn't look good at all. Um, but you know, they, they're, they really definitely came into this season angry about what the Astros did because the A's have been a good team the last few years and they've lost in the wildcard game twice in the last two years. So they're thinking, listen, we got cheated out of division titles. You can say what you want about the Dodgers and Yankees getting cheated out of pennants. The athletics got cheated out of divisions. They came out, they've been swinging. They have two walk-off grand slams in 12 games and they absolutely kick the shit out of the Astros. So it's really good to see the, the, the athletics play well. Yeah. They're, they're a great team. They have a lot of, a lot of good players. Um, not a ton of like, there's not really a star on that team. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman are kind of the heart of that offense, but then they have a bunch of other just guys that do their job. Um, and they have a great, they have a great bullpen. 
they they're they've kind of bought into that bullpenning theory. Liam Hendricks is a great closer. Um, and then they just got a bunch of guys that just I think they just really enjoy playing baseball. Uh, don't really care that they're not the superstars out there. They just they go out there do their jobs every single day. Um, it'd be cool to see them win um, to take down the Astros. Um, and then they got you know our guy Ramon Laureano who was out there taking on the entire Houston Astros. Yeah, that's that was great. Let's talk about that. So he gets hit by a couple pitches during the series, and he's kind of getting into a little argument with the Astros hitting coach. And then I guess the Astros hitting coach says something about his mom. I think I heard, and then yep. just he just booked it towards the dugout. And the Astros hitting coach, like a little bitch kind of stepped back and let three players kind of like huddle him and protect him from what was going to happen. And the coach got 20 games. Liriano got six. And that's just what you love to see. I love to see that even though there's no fans, the Astros are still getting theirs. Um, Joe Kelly, obviously, a couple weeks before. And the Astros aren't playing well. Altuve's hitting 183. Uh, Bregman's hitting 224. It's hard when you don't know what's coming. Yeah, they uh they've been getting beat down, but Loriano channeling his inner Amir Garrett, uh, like last year when Garrett took on the Pirates, just stormed the dugout. Alex Cintron, as you mentioned, just huddled behind his players and uh cried a little bit. Uh, I, I thought it was hilarious that Loriano was trying to teach the Astros pitchers how to throw a slider, uh, walking out there telling you gotta snap it, you gotta and that's the reason that Sintron's going to step out of the dugout and start saying whatever he said to try and start a fight is ridiculous. Uh, I'm glad he got 20 games, deservedly that's so. That's unbelievable, though. It's that's a lot. crazy. That's quarter. That's like, what, a third of the season? Yep. Yeah, yeah a third essentially. Of the and then I'm, I'm honestly surprised Loriano didn't get more, but I'm glad that he didn't because um, he's a huge part of that Astros team. I think he Manfred hits. was like, okay, I got killed on the Kelly suspension. I can't give eight again. I got to go lower. Was there a Just ruling right. on the Kelly uh, appeal? I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything either. I don't think so. Because he's been playing. I've seen him pitch in a couple games since that so happened. He, he hasn't served suspension yet. No. no. So it's still under appeal. Yep. I mean, we all laughed at Cash about picking the Rangers to come in second. Rangers are only a half game behind the Astros for second place in the division. That would be something if the Astros missed the playoffs entirely. And they haven't played well at all, so they might. You know, well, they don't have Justin Verlander, to be fair. But once they lost Garrett Cole, like it's they, their they rotation a lot is not good. Like it's just I was not... watching an Astros game; they were talking about their bullpen. I had no idea who any of their relievers are. Yep. they have a young, young, young bullpen. Especially well, them in the Red Sox are really similar. Now. Yeah, I don't think the Astros though are trying to get under attacks. I think they just that's just the way they built it. Yeah, but I just think that the way they're structured, where they both have lineups that are capable of producing runs, yeah. but, I mean, the Astros have a better pitching rotation than the Red Sox do, but they both just have those lackadaisical bullpens, and games are going to slip away um, because of that. So, I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Yankees. Uh, they had a they, – they couldn't lose for a long time. They swept the Red Sox. They won the first game against Philly. Then there was a rainout, and they had to move all the other games to Philadelphia. And they lost two out of three of those games, and they lost three out of four in Tampa. But you know, my thing about the Yankees during this whole like bad stretch, they beat themselves. 
There was one, one of the doubleheader games, they had like nine walks in seven innings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, it, their defense isn't, wasn't great. There was a couple miscues defensively. Their at-bats didn't look great. I mean, I didn't see a game that they lost because they got outplayed. I, just feel, I feel like they beat themselves these times by a lack of, I guess, concentration. And in a 60-game season, that really can't happen. Yeah, from yeah. from what I could gauge, um, and I was I was talking to one of my softball teammates yesterday. Uh, they kind of, if you can jump on the Yankees early and get into their bullpen, um, where they're not bringing in Chad Green and Canely and Ottavino um, and Britain, but if you can get to the the Michael Kings and the Hellers and the Holders, you're in a good spot because that's what the Phillies did against Jay Happ. Jay Happ couldn't throw a strike to save his life and was walking the bases all over the place. Phillies got out to a lead, and then they got into the bullpen and took advantage of that. Um, whereas in the games that the Yankees won against the Phillies, they got good starts um, from Cole. And Montgomery was okay. Um, but they got into the strong portion of the Yankee bullpen. And once you get there, it's it's pretty tough. Zach Britton's been... From what I've seen, he's looked pretty awesome, um, shutting it down for the Yankees where they don't feel rushed to get Chapman back. Um, but I would agree. Uh, they're still a really good team, but they definitely have beaten themselves in the games they've lost. And here's the thing, and you hit the nail on the head. They need more length from guys not named Garrett Cole. They need Jay Happ to pitch better. They need Montgomery to pitch better. He pitched, he's pitching well right now today. They need Paxton, who pitched well up until the seventh inning when he gave up two home runs to tie the game. And they need their starters behind Cole to go six, at, at least six innings. And they haven't for the most part this season, and that's really hurt them. Yeah, well, I wrote a blog this morning about bringing up Clint Frazier. I was right in the middle of writing it, and – I got the notification on my phone from the MOB app saying Clint Frazier has been called up. So I was happy to see that. But what I don't understand, and I included this in the blog, why, if you're okay with watching what J-Hap does every five days, what's the problem with bringing up Clark Schmidt to see what we have? Why? Why? How come he's not here? Why isn't he a part of our bullpen? I think he could come in and do a job similar to what Chad Green did a couple years ago. Um, fill that, like, sixth, seventh inning. When you They're going to need have that because Canely's out. I agree. Like, I don't understand why he's still down. Like, we saw him face the Yankee lineup, the most potent lineup in baseball, arguably. I think so, yeah. but arguably. Um, I just don't understand. Like, why, why isn't he here giving the Yankees innings when he's capable of it? He has a nasty curveball, like absolutely filthy, one of the better ones at any level um, in the bigs right now. But yeah, it's just mind-boggling to me. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and Hap can't be on the team anymore. He's he got destroyed by Baltimore. He got yep. destroyed by Philadelphia when the Yankees spotted him a three nothing lead. Uh, he, he he just can't get out. And it's it, at some point. I know it's early in terms of you know only two starts in a season, but it, this was all of last year too. He was yep. bad in 2019, and it hasn't carried over to and it has carried over to 2020. And you guys, you got kids in the minor leagues who are more than capable of doing better than what he's doing. So it surprises me that Schmidt is not up yet and Hap's still in the rotation. And what you just mentioned, Tyler, we're going to nice segue. Frazier's up because Stan again got hurt. I mean, how, how, many, how many more years do we have to deal with this? 
when is this going to either I'm, I'm at a loss for words with this guy. Like, come on. Every single year he gets hurt. He hasn't played an inning in left field all season and he still gets a lower body injury. Like it, it, it's just not going to work out Stanton and the Yankees. This Look, is like an Stanton... El's, this is another Ellsbury in my opinion. I wouldn't go that this far yet. You think it's worse? Because the amount of time that they have left on this contract and the amount of money, yeah. I mean, if it's a persistent problem, which I mean, as, to this point, it has been. But look, I'm I'm not the biggest Stanton fan. You guys know that, but I'm not going to knock the guy for being injury prone. It sucks, but like, I, I feel like why, this why is can't just, you knock him for it being injury prone? Because he's, he's not, not signing up to get hurt. Control, like you're getting hurt because you're getting hurt. Like it's. And unless it's a routine-based something, like to the point where, but it's always his legs. He's not doing something right. I mean, we get on Ellsbury guy. all the time. We got on, we got on Ellsbury all the time. Yeah, but Ellsbury so stunk. Stan's had there, good numbers this year, but Stan he doesn't play. Well. So who, I mean, he plays three games. Let's not That's forget. Two it years, doesn't matter so if you have years, potential or talent when you're never two, on the field. Two years ago, well, you can say about the same about Clint Frazier, but two years ago, um, Judge w- missed a good part of the season, and Stan hit like 270. He had like 35 or 40 home runs or something. He carried the Yankees to the okay, playoffs. Okay, great. Congratulations. That was two years ago. Okay, but Judge gets hurt every year too. Why aren't you on he his case? Got, he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Knock on wood. And if he did, I'd say the same thing. Judge just came back from like a year-long injury. He, he would have been out up to this point if the season didn't get delayed. But the season Over... did get delayed. Oh, so? And, it, you know, and yet you're, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. And if Judge got hurt, I'd say the same things about how, how, can, how are they going to pay him if he keeps getting hurt, but he hasn't gotten hurt to this point this season. Right now, Stan has gotten hurt again. And he played 18 games last year. And he's going to miss half the season this year. He's going to well, miss more I, than I, half the it season. Half the season this year isn't like – Four weeks. Listen, I'm not trying to defend the guy. I'm just saying I'm playing devil's advocate as I do so well. Half the season is always 30 – I think the word is 30, often, not well. All the Thank time. you. Half the season I think you just year, are the devil at this point. Half the season is only 30 games. So if you miss 30 games on a regular season, like, yeah, that sucks. But, like, you could bounce back and still have playing 110, 120 games. Well, this is why I think it's important to give Clint Frazier a shot, like a real shot at the big leagues here. They called him up today. I, look, I'm, if he's not in the lineup tomorrow, I'm going to be pissed because we keep running Gardner out there. We keep running Hicks out there. Hicks can't figure it out. He tries to bat switch. He can't do either. Like, I don't know what to freaking say. Like, I'll tell you what to say. He, he had a swinging I'll tell you what to say. He got the first base, and everyone's praising you. him for his wheels. I'll tell you what to say. Aaron Boone's an idiot. He's not an idiot. I hate that guy. I don't want to get into this with you, but he's not an idiot. I like Aaron Boone. Well, of course you do, Glenn. So, so there's a positive about John Carlos Stanton's contract here. Um, I mean, he's obviously not going to opt out because of the amount of money that he's owed. But next year, the Marlins will be paying the Yankees $30 million um, for the season um, as long as John Carlo doesn't opt out. He's, he's only uh, due $29 million next year, so you're getting an extra million out of the Marlins next year. Thanks, don't really have to, you don't have to pay Giancarlo Stanton a cent next year. Wait a minute. So the, the Marlins are essentially giving the Yankees a million dollars to have Stanton next year? No, they're giving them $30 million to have Stanton next year. Right, but 29 of that's going to Stanton. 
Yeah. So yeah. the Yankees so, are making a million dollars. Yes, off of Stanton. Stanton. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's like collecting an insurance policy because we're not betting. We're not benefiting <laughs> from it. So that's crazy. That, that's the only positive out of there. I think Clint Frazier needs to play starting tomorrow every single day. I agree with as, you. As I with think Tom. it's time to give him a legitimate long-term shot at sticking in the outfield. Because I mean, would you say Clint like Frazier top. and Mike Talkman are better fits on the Yankees roster than Giancarlo Stanton is? Would you no, go that far? No, but Clint Frazier is a guy that can get up there and pop the baseball. Like, every time he comes up, he just hits these home runs. All right, so can I ask you something? He gets these extra base hits. He's just that guy. I don't understand why he's not up. Why would would you rather Frazier in the lineup than Talkman? Uh, they should it both depends. I think they should both be in the lineup. I mean, they, I mean, forward. would you rather have Talkman and Frazier in the lineup or Gardner and Hicks? I think the answer right is Frazier. Right now, Talkman and Frazier. Yes. I, I don't think Hicks deserves to be on this team right now. I don't know why he bats third. So one that, thing that drives me nuts. Drives me crazy. He's a switch hitter. I mean, Stan- I mean, Sanchez isn't hitting and Torres isn't hitting, but still, you know, Hicks is not a three hitter. Who makes the lineup? Uh, we're gonna do this argument again. <laughs> I'm not in the mood for this right I, now. I, I think it's Aaron Boone. I mean, I mean, you, you're fine with DJ and Judge one two, and then at the time being, I feel like Voight can be the third hitter. Voight should be the third hitter. Ford can be four. I mean, then Torres five or whatever. I mean, he puts Hicks there because when they face a righty, he's going to hit lefty. But I mean, he's going to try and hit lefty. Doesn't work. I don't don't like, I don't like Hicks in that spot, but it is what it is. I don't like Hicks one through nine. I don't don't trust Hicks. When was the last time Aaron Hicks hit a big home run or had a big play? Like a legitimate big you know, play. We didn't talk about uh, this home run we, against Verlander in Game Five. Yeah, irrelevant. We lost Game Five. But, when? Two years ago? No, last October. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that's not All my right. point. Listen, Greg listen, Bird listen. had one of those too. Whoa, we Andrew don't say Miller. that. He got name. DFA today. DFA gone name. from listen, Texas. Listen, 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 listen. I gotta say something. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because we weren't on the air. But Aaron Hicks, who's known for his defense. Let two fly balls drop in center field two weeks ago. Yeah, that wasn't good at all. He was bad against the Phillies. I immediately Real texted bad. you guys and asked, like, has he always been or has he been this bad this year? Because I, I had always known of him as he's always a been a solid, solid center fielder. In my center opinion, fielder. Yeah. he has the arm, which he's not at a hundred percent right now because he's just getting back from Tommy John. But in terms of catching the baseball, he's normally very, very good. And you know, he's lost a couple in the sky so, so far this season. I just want to point you guys back to when Hicks signed his seven-year, $70 million deal that I said that it was terrible, and I got crap for it from everybody, saying how $10 million, $10 million is not that a year. That's not it, a it lot is, for a center fielder. It's exactly $10 million a year, but it, you, you can spend less money and get guys that are more productive, like Mike Talkman or Clint Frazier. Like, look at these guys. I also think it's pay him $70 million over seven years. And you can't it's a very the tradable field. contract too, if they can find any value for it. It's him. just this like allure all right, of a all right. hitter that just. Can I say freaking, something? It drives me nuts. Can I say something? Sure. I can admit when I'm wrong, Tyler. You were a hundred percent correct on the Hicks contract. Well, I mean, the contract's not over yet. I mean, look, he can turn into like the next coming of who knows what, but like, I don't see it happening. He can't stay on the field. 
Hicks is hitting 225 on this season. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm trying to see what he what he him and Gardner. Let me look at my notes from this morning. I want to see um, him and Gardner year. are a combined 15 for 72 this year. 15 for 72. Yeah, and Gary all. Sanchez is four for 40 this year. Gary Sanchez nine, is a good hitter who's scored. in a slump. Oh, and wow. somebody just went yabo for yeah. the Braves. Marcelo Zuna. Yeah. So in 2019, Hicks had 12 home runs. And 36 RBIs in 59 games. 2018, his last full season, he hit 27 and 79 and hit 248 and played good defense. I mean, again, it's all about health. If these players stay healthy, they're fine. And Stan and Hicks don't stay healthy. And then you got guys, because of the depth of the franchise, like a Talkman or a Frazier or even Andujar, if he ever figures it out, that can... This is not happy that he got sent home. I mean, sent down. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Ty. I mean, I was just saying I I wasn't happy that Andujar got sent down. There's just just no at-bats for him. But this is the problem you run into with the Yankees, where you you start locking these guys into these long-term contracts, like Hicks in center field for the next five years, six years, whatever the contract is. I think that they signed it two years years. ago. It's five more years. I thought they signed it last year. All right, then it's six. Regardless, you still have this long-term contract where $10 million are on the books. They've done the same thing with Gardner, extending him the last year, about the same amount of money for the last couple of years. But I don't understand why you keep locking these people into your, your team when they're going to be essentially non-tradable in a couple of years. Like, if you don't want them in the lineup, Aaron Hicks is not a guy that's going to demand value back. But when you have guys like him that are blocking the way for guys like Clint Frazier or um, – Florial, like, not that Florial's ready yet necessarily, but like, you're just blocking the path with these stupid contracts which turn into dead money. But I think they can trade the Hicks contract if they wanted to. But who's at gonna, ten mil a year? At ten mil a year, if you eat half of it, that's five mil a year. A, a team will take that. But the problem is, when do you trade it? Because now. no one's going to take on Hicks now for six more years, $60 million. Well, the Yankees don't have a – I mean, unless they want to put Talkman in center, they don't have a true center field. You'll let him go, like, die Frazier's in Detroit not or something fielder. or die in Miami. Like, he's not going to – no good market team is going to pick him up. And if they do, it's not going to be for a fourth outfield spot at $10 bucks. At the end of the day, they got to hit. I mean, Hicks has to hit. The truth. And then Glaber has to hit, and Sanchez needs to hit, and Stanton needs to stay on the field. That's just basically what it is with the Yankees. Well, we're not going to see Stanton until mid-September, so this is a really nope. fun experiment we got going on here. Bring up Clint Frazier, put him in the lineup, and let him stay. I mean, it could have been a blessing in disguise because we've all advocated that Frazier is ready. He's good. He just needs to catch fire and just he'll stick with it. I'm worried about good? his defense. Well, of course. Is his defense no that bad? Can we please yes. tackle it's, this? It's very yes, bad. It's not bad. Good. But, but how no. bad? The reason I haven't noticed it. It's bad. I mean, there was a game against Boston last year. when He had like three errors in, in an inning, yeah. I don't know. So moving on, uh, we'll talk about Scott's Phillies. Scott had a very comfortable lead yesterday. It was like, what, 13-1? And then the bullpen and then the bullpen just imploded. They still won the game, obviously, because it's hard to, even for the Phillies bullpen, to blow a 13-1 lead. But, you know, the last game with the Yankees was interesting because they were up 5-1 and made it 5-4, and then Voigt hits one to the warning track almost – Blew it. We almost blew that game. So, Scott, what's the state of the Phillies bullpen? Uh, not great. Worst bullpen in uh, baseball. They've pitched 31 innings this year and have given up 34 runs. Not good. Uh, yeah, 13-1 to 1 yesterday going into the ninth inning. 
Um, Aaron Nola threw a great game again. Had, I think, eight strikeouts. It was only at like 90 pitches going into the ninth. Probably could have finished the game, but since it was a blowout, Girardi felt comfortable taking him out. Nick Pavetta came in and absolutely looked awful for the second time in a row. He got optioned to AAA today or to the minors uh, to go to camp. Does he I guess, have potential? And, because I have other friends that are Phillies fans and they hate him. He stinks. He's got potential. Um, he's got a great fastball when he locates, but the big question is when and if. Um, they got him for Jonathan Papelbon, so it's been oh productive God. in that sense because they got rid I of Papelbon. He, I, I forgot he existed, that guy. Yeah. Um, he stinks. Um, so he's gone. Uh, Trevor Kelly, who also stinks, got DFA'd today. They brought up Blake Parker, who's a veteran arm. Wasn't terrible for them last year, but he's nothing to write home about. And they caught up a kid uh, by the name of – crap, now I'm forgetting his name. Connor Connor something. Um, McGregor. Connor, Connor Brogdon. Nice. Um, <laughs> Now, do these kids have potential big, to be well? He has they what I've read, he has potential. He's got a big arm. We'll see what happens. But yeah, the Phillies bullpen sticks. Uh, is there nothing, any way of is there any way of saving it at the deadline or the kids at the alternate side, or is this just what you're gonna have to deal with and hope that you make the playoffs anyway? I think there's a couple more younger guys down at the alternate site that I don't think they want to really bring up due to service time. But at this point, it's like you, you just got to bite the bullet on that and see what we got in those guys because if not, they're, they're not going to win anything. They're, like Unless we're starters are going eight innings every night and we're going to bring in Hector Neris and Jose Alvarez to close out the games, they're screwed. Yeah, it's and terrible. that was, was kind of what I was going to come back at you with. You got to rely – if you're Girardi on the starting pitching, because that's just the way the team is built because you just don't have those lockdown setup guys in the bullpen. And there was a game against the Yankees, one of the double header games. It was one, one going into the seventh and Nola was pitching fantastic and they, they took him out. And then that's when the Yankees jumped in the bullpen. Uh, now we went back and forth and you were, didn't mind Girardi taking Nola out, but you know, as the season goes into September and the playoff race really starts to heat up, you need he's Girardi's going to have to have his starters go longer into games. He's going to have to push them longer than he might be comfortable. Yeah, in that spot in that Yankee game um, where Nola came out, it was there was the right decision because of the layoff for the Phillies. The pitchers weren't at the same spot as every other teams, but Tommy Hunter came in and looked terrible. Couldn't get it out. Um, yeah, the starters have been have been solid. Nola's been great. Zach Wheeler's been awesome. Jake Arrieta's looked really good. He pitched well against the Yankees. Outside of he gave up a he did give up a home run in that game, I believe. Was it to Gardner? Um, but he's looked. Yeah, I I believe so. He's looked good. Um, they called up top prospect Spencer Howard. He made his debut on uh, Sunday against the Braves. He pitched well. Gave up three runs. He's got another kid that's got a great curveball. Uh, he's going to stick around. Vince Velasquez has been okay. He's on the cusp of losing his spot to Spencer Howard. And then Zach Eflin is another good guy. So their starters have been okay. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on them moving forwards. 
And I just don't see the opportunity for the Phillies to go out and pick anybody up because I don't – who's going to want to get rele- rid of relievers at this point? Like, it, they've proved so valuable. There's Like, I don't see many teams that are going to be saying, hey, we got this bullpen guy that we want to give up. So, th- I think they're kind of stuck. Yeah, and I'm sh- I'll be shocked if by the end of the month there's a significant trade because I don't know what team is going to find the incentive – in a 60-game season to make a drastic change to their roster. Also, with the expanded playoffs this season, everyone's going to feel like they have a chance. So There might be a different type of trade deadline. I don't think there's going to be a lot of sellers in this trade deadline. I don't know. Plus, plus ethically, can you trade someone and move move them in the midst of a pandemic? I don't know how that works. (laughs) That's a good point. I don't know. We might just see people feel like these random little spots on teams like utility players, depth players, but I don't think we're going to see any big contracts going over. Well, luckily for the Phillies, the NL East is completely wide open. The Marlins are in first at seven and three. They missed a whole week. They're playing. They're still playing very well, even though they lost, they lost two straight. They are, oh, they're losing in the bottom of the eighth to Toronto right now. Um, And you got Atlanta who's losing to New York Phillies right there. I, I mean, if there's any season that you can survive a bad ballpen, it's this one. Because of the yeah, way the playoffs uh, are set up and the way that there's only 60 games. Absolutely. The, you, you just need to come – really, they just need to come in second place or have a solid record in third to make the postseason. Um, and it, it, the, door, the door is open. The yeah. Phillies play well against the Braves, and the Marlins aren't going to play 700 baseball the rest of the year. They're going to you know, regress to the mean here. Um, hey, you don't know that. Nash? I'd love Let's to see the Marlins honest. in the playoffs. I'd love it though. <laughs> It'd be great for baseball. It would be. It would be. Interesting how would it be great then. for baseball? You were the ones crapping on the expanded playoffs for this exact reason. No, I wrote a blog saying one of the pros is getting other fan bases involved, and you know, All right, baseball fine. Would So want then you're flip flopping an extra want, time here. Baseball would want a big market like Miami to have playoff games. Big so a couple market? episodes ago, have, you said that this would fans. not be good. Yeah, no, he also up. can we walk through this? Can we walk through this real quick? Did I contradict yeah. myself? I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, a couple episodes ago we were talking about the expanded format. I think it was before even a deal happened. And you were like, No, I don't want to see the teams like the Marlins and the Tigers like sneak into the playoffs. So then you said that. Then I don't want them to sneak into the, the playoffs if they don't deserve it. But if they're, you know, what, thirty five and fifteen, I'm not saying that's what they're gonna be, but if, and they make the playoffs, then they deserve it. Well if they're thirty five they're and under fifteen, they have to play then, ten more games gone. <laughs> the difference. Uh, if they, if a team deserves to make the playoffs, then they make the playoffs. I, I just don't want you. teams. That's how that, it's structured. I don't want like the NBA where bad teams make the playoffs. If the Marlins are above five hundred and they play good baseball like they have been, then they deserve it and good for them. Yeah, his argument is laughing. If they, if they I don't go like Cash's stupid face. And he's making this stupid, like annoying face. I want to punch my screen. Why are you laughing at me, Cash? I think that's obvious, man. I mean, come on. You just totally backtracked. I love it. Oh, because you never backtracked? Oh, I didn't say No, he just plays the devil's advocate. He just plays the devil. (laughs) Every time he gets beaten in an argument, he's like, I'm just being devil's advocate. Ah, I don't get beaten in arguments. I'm always right. Yeah. Mm. And when I'm wrong, I can admit. Let's see. I'm looking through the standings here. Um, The NOS, the Rockies are playing very well. I think Charlie Blackman's hitting 480. Do you think he hits yeah, four hundred at the end of the season? Four eighty-four. He he's he's on a fourteen-game history. Three sixty the rest of the way. 
That's he gets a four hundred. Fair for him. Can you imagine he beats Joe DiMaggio's record? The in a streak? sixty game season. That means he would have hit safely in like 90. literally the entire season, every single game. season. Close. Do you think Which he hits four hundred? Nice. Uh, probably not. I think it's hard. Do you think Lemayhu hits five four hundred? No, I just think it's really hard to do that. It's hard to like, hit three hundred. We're gonna have more guys hitting three fifty. I mean, mm-hmm. we never have guys hit three fifty, so I think we'll have a couple this year, maybe like a handful. But getting to four hundred is so difficult. I know it's only sixty games, but like people have had four hundred average stretches of sixty games before. But when the whole season is 60 games and that's how your mindset is, I think that's where it changes. I think that's why it makes it so tough. Because you know in your brain, you have to do your brain, that you have to do it for the course of a season as opposed to just getting hot for a third of the season or a little bit more than a third. I don't know. I hope he does because then we get happy. He's got 31 hits in two weeks. It's It's pretty nuts. But that's that's just, like, amazing. Like, you can't do much better than that. So he's going to regress, like – I don't know. Yeah, he might regress from four. What is he hitting? 484. So he might regress from 484 to 420. That's still a regression. Well, he's one for one right now, so he's hitting 492. It's stupid. It's stupid. Imagine being that locked in. I've never Guys, been that locked in my life. No. Always been a great hitter. I'll have so you know I'm first, in They're in first place like of the NL West. They're a half game above the Dodgers. you got to think the Dodgers are eventually going to jump Colorado. San Diego's playing very well. I think San Diego has a very bright future. You I agree. Tatis, you got Machado. I think they're Osmo. one of the biggest stories this year. Yeah, I think they're going to I think if they sneak in, they're a team that can upset some teams in the National League playoffs. All right, we got about 5 minutes to go, so if Cash wants to do his hater of the week, who he hates this week, and if we can do winners and losers, we can wrap this thing I up. I mean, yeah, my my most hated guy of the week is Really, the entire Astros team, but I've done that before. So we're just going with that pitching coach, whose name doesn't even deserve to be said. Guy's a loser. Santron. Okay, well, there's a funny quote. There's a funny quote. Um, It was like, "I'm sorry, I charged him because he's a loser," or something like that. Yeah, he said, "I'm not sorry. I don't feel bad for charging him. I feel bad because he's a loser," or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Guy's a savage. It's so funny. You think they just like you think the Astros go into the locker room and be like, "This is just a nightmare." With everything? No. Or do you think they just don't care? They don't care because they got away with it. They want a ring. I think they're all so scared. They're all just like shaking in their boots. They all have the yips at the plate, except for Correa because he's a psychopath. But I hope he eventually fights somebody in in an octagon because he wants to so bad. I just hope he fights the wrong person and then he just – Never talks about it's crazy to me that like Altuve's struggles have taken to the field too. Dude had three errors in one inning. Do you guys see Astros Twitter? Do you guys see like Astros Shame Tour? That's the best Twitter account. No, no, no. no. The Astros fans that like defend their guys. What is there to defend, guys? They're all nuts. I usually just scroll right past it. I think Carabas on Barstool tweeted something like Correa soft after the Kelly incident, and then some Astros fan clapped back. He's like, he's not soft, and his reasoning was that he hosts an MMA podcast. I saw that. I did see that. Oh, my God. I thought that was the funniest thing. Just like we're all great at baseball because we have a baseball podcast. It's stupid. It lines up. Yeah. We're, we, should be, we should be pros because we, we have should be in the big leagues. We should, we should go play leagues. for the, uh, the Indians or the Cardinals. because Cash, you got a winner? Job. A winner? You got a winner? 
Um, yeah, I think it's Strowman for getting out of the Mets, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Can't blame him. Can't blame him. I like it. All right. Tyler, winners and losers. Um, my winners are going to be the Nationals for putting a pounding on the Mets the other day. Um, they're getting hot. I think they're, they got Juan Soto back, and I feel like it kind of energized the entire offense because now they're just scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring, and they have the pitching staff to do it. I mean, I feel like they do have the strongest pitching staff in baseball now. I mean, at least starting rotation or the front end. I mean, they haven't had any of their big-name guys opt out. I mean, they're surging at the moment. Um, and we're going to go with losers. Uh, the Cardinals, I guess. They just they just don't get it. They're not losing because they're baseball. not playing, but it just sucks. Like, they're the losers. And we can throw uh, Plesak and Clevenger in there, too. Perfect. Basically, what... all right, the new rule from now on is if anyone, you, any COVID-related incident is a If loser. you do something stupid related to the virus, you are automatically the base hit ball for loser of the week from Perfect. somebody. Someone's got to make it. I think that's fair. I think that's like an executive it. decision. I like that a lot. All right. Go ahead, Scott. Loser uh, of two my winner, weeks, actually. You have to quarantine. Yes. So my winner of the last two weeks is uh, Charlie Blackman on a 14-game hitting streak. As we mentioned, hitting 484. Guy matches the ball. Um, my loser of the week, um, live as we go, uh, is the Phillies' bullpen as they're oh, no, absolutely, uh, you know, shit in the bed again against the Marlins – or against the Orioles here. Um, Tommy Hunter has now given up two runs here in the, uh, the seventh inning, and the Phillies are losing 5-3. to three. So my loser of the week is the Phillies bullpen because they all suck. It's a shame. It's a total shame. My loser is Gary Sanchez. I mean, come on. Like, I've never seen somebody struggle this badly. Like, it's just automatic out. I think he has four hits this season four. out of good. 42 at-bats, I believe, or something around there. Great. Not good at all. Fun. I, and he, it's, there's, he lost the game, the first game against Tampa, because he, there was a pass ball with Otto Vino pitching, led to the only run of the game in the bottom of the eighth. He, every time there's two strikes, wasn't that scored a wild away. pitch? Was it a wild pitch? Yeah. It might have been statistically, but you, you still got to catch the ball. I, that's been a problem with Sanchez since he's came up. I, I don't know. I thought he's playing players. pretty well behind the plate this season. You devil's advocate again? No. I'm I serious. agree with that. I think he's been doing all right. He's going to have a mistake. Listen, regardless. He's going to start hitting. He's too good slider, of a hitter not to. Slider down the way every single time. He can't hit right now. He needs to get it started because the Yankees need him because they don't have Austin Romine as a safety net this year. And Higashioka's hurt. So they have – what's his name? The backup catcher. Uh, Chris Iannetta. Chris Iannetta. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's somebody else, isn't it? Eric Kratz. It's Eric Kratz. Uh, him too. And he's not going to hit. So my winner is a, is a different Yankee. Tanaka gets drilled in the head 4th of July, misses a couple weeks, comes back. He's pitching fantastic. He was really good in his five innings against Tampa. Five hits, no runs, I think one hit. Um, he's still on a pitch limit, trying to get him his work back up. But he's the, he's the number two. And after Cole, they need someone. And so far, it's not been Paxton. So Tanaka's pitched very well. And, you know. I'm a very big Tanaka guy. I think he comes up when it matters the most. And I think it's going to matter this season because the Yankees don't have Severino. He's out for the year and they need someone after Cole. So I think Tanaka is my winner this week. All right. So we have any final thoughts before I say goodbye? 
Um, let's go Yankees for the first yeah, time. Yeah, let's go Yankees on this podcast. Don't go to strip clubs. Don't, don't go, go to casinos. Clubs. Don't go to casinos. Don't go out to dinner with your friends. Go to the hotel and play baseball. Yeah. I mean, you, go. I mean, you can bring your PlayStation to the hotel. You can hook up. You can play Fortnite. You can. You don't need to go out. There's nothing open. Nothing open. Yeah, listen to us. Listen to us. Yeah, we're players. the professionals. We, we know what we're talking about here at Base Hitball 4. That'll just about do it um, this week. Um, tune in next week for another edition of Base Hitball 4. My name is Glenn Denegris, alongside Scott Roswell, Alex Cashman, and Tyler Boomenstick. We'll see you next time. And stay, stay inside and wear a mask. <laughs>